Today on the Zabecast, there's lots of busted brackets out there, but we knew that would happen, right? A one, a two, two threes, and maybe more sent packing. You just got beat by Doug, the new tournament face of Cinderella. Plus, Deshaun gets paid in my new gambling technique. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, March 21st, 2022, and you are looking live at my hotel room, my shared roommate hotel room, at the 14th annual Mesquite Cup week-long rodeo of middle-aged men from Curry Park Club in Milwaukee. Big Mike uh, wrote me into this trip, and I'm having a great time. We had a windy round, windy, 40-mile-an-hour-plus at times. 25 steady, 30 to 40 at times, uh, out at Coyote Springs in the middle of nowhere in between Mesquite and Vegas. And I'm here in my hotel room while the guys are downstairs gambling, drinking, having fun because I'm dedicated to my craft. And I'm using a piece of shit equipment that is getting returned as soon as I get back to Milwaukee. The Zoom PodTrack P4. The Zoom piece of shit P4. You should be ashamed for making this, you assholes. I've been getting writing errors on my memory card, and I've tried to reformat it. I've tried to do this. You cannot have a thing that purports to be, here, record your podcast to this, and have it ever fail when it comes to writing the actual file. Because podcasts often go for 30 minutes at a time or more. And I had a good 32-minute in the can, in, out, good to go. You're going to hear where I stop bitching about this piece of shit equipment and it picks up a good minute and a half in. Because I had to redo this. And I had to do some editing, which I didn't really want to do, but well, here I am. All right, enough bitching. Let's go ahead and get to the podcast that was saved without the first chunk since I had to re-record the header here. More on the trip coming up in just a second. But first, as always, I remind you, the Zabecast is a supplement. It is not the whole meal. It is something good, something interesting, something informative to listen to, but it's a snack. It's not everything. It's all you got this week, though, as I'm off for my 9-to-5 gig at 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. The Young Turks, Josh and Billy, have the con, and I think they're going to be just fine without me. Okay, let's get into it. Cut number one, the tournament. Is your bracket busted? (laughs) Of course it is. Lots of carnage, probably on par with the carnage we've seen the last couple of years. I'll leave it to the analytics guys to figure out if this is a more wreckage-strewn bracket than ever before. But like I said in the open, a one, a two, two threes, And there may be more before tonight is out. I'm recording this as Arizona and TCU, one of the late games, has just gone to halftime. Arizona holding on to a three-point lead, 39-36. to They could theoretically go down. Um, But otherwise, you know, there has been carnage and there has been upsets and there has been moments and there has been Doug. You just got beat by Doug. This kid, Doug Eddert. 
for St. Peter's is the story of the tournament. Who is Doug Eddard? Well, he's a six foot two inch, 185 pound, otherwise not star player for the St. Peter's Peacocks, a tiny college in northern New Jersey. A college so small, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but somebody did a TikTok where they looked on Google Maps to find the university, and they were just like doing a rotate through, and they're like, look, it's a street. The campus is a street. Their coach, Shaheen Holloway, you may remember him as a very slick, very good point guard back in the day, has also been one of the stories of the tournament, but this kid, Eddard, And of course, his name is Doug. (laughs) He has been gutting teams. By the way, you know, 6'2", 185, big mop of floppy wild hair, cheesy mustache, knows when and how to stick his tongue out in a way that's kind of taunting, but not too over the top. And a guy who had no scholarship offers out of high school, had played just seven, started just seven games this year for St. Peter's, averaged a whopping 8.4 points Per game over three seasons with the Peacock. So why not? Why wouldn't he drop 20 in 25 minutes off the bench against second-ranked seeded or second-seeded Kentucky to knock them out Thursday night? Tied the game or gave St. Peter's the lead with 7.30 to go, 1.26 to go, and then the dagger with 24 seconds left in regulation, and then did it again with 2.41 to go in overtime. Incredible, right? America has fallen in love with Doug. Doug is the kind of player that exists in college basketball, and this is when we see them in March, come bubbling up through all the rest of the talent. Doug has no chance to play in the NBA. He probably doesn't even have a future in pro basketball in Krapistan. But you know what? This is the time for him to just do what he can do, to ball out, to play without fear, to say, Yeah, I'm open for three. Watch this. Bang. Right in your eye. That just happened. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? (laughs) That just happened. (laughs) That just happened. And that's what makes One Shining Moments. What about that song? One Shining Moment. One Shining Moment. That was a good start. It's so perfect. You know, cold-hearted, non-romantic sports fans like my friend and colleague, Drew Olson, hate one shining moment with a visceral passion, thinks it's too cheesy, too schmaltzy, too over the top. Now, I don't know who who hurt Drew growing up, but that's just how he is. Being a former baseball writer, he has had the fan pounded out of him thoroughly. Maybe it's because he actually was a reserve on UW-Milwaukee way back in the day, so he played low-level college basketball himself. Maybe that's why he doesn't like the whole deification of these guys who are pop-up stars for one month at most a year. Most of us, though, absolutely love it. So Doug Eddard and St. Peter's, your absolute star of the tournament so far. One shining moment! (laughs) Exactly. And the music hasn't stopped for them just yet. Now let's talk about the Badgers who lost Sunday in a, a game that was ugly, it was sticky, it was nasty, and of course it was pretty much the storyline was Chucky Hepburn went down with an injury. 
uh, which I don't know the status of as I record this on Sunday night. And once that happened, really nothing functioned for the Badgers. It makes me ask the question, well, was this a good season? No, it was a good season. Let me take that back. Was it a great season for the Badgers? They were picked to finish 10th in the Big Ten, 9th or 10th, something like that, which is not last for those of you who aren't really hardcore sports fans. The Big Ten has 12 teams. So damn near last. And they ended up winning the conference championship in the regular season. Winning, quote. They were the co-champs, something I have to point out because they had a chance to win the regular season title outright by beating a bad Nebraska team at home on senior night, and they biffed that one. Of course, it didn't help that Johnny Davis, their best player, went down with an ankle injury that game. But they should not have lost that game. And then, first conference tournament game, they also biffed that one and were one and done there. Then they had to fight for their life to beat Colgate in the first round game at Fiserv in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a sea of red. Easily the biggest home court advantage of all the teams in the tournament this sub-regional period. They fight for their life, they come out on top, and then they come out, and they're not having much to do with Iowa State, a team that won two games last year, two last year, now they're going to the Sweet 16. And then Chucky Hepburn, their outstanding freshman, goes down with a lower leg injury, and it all falls apart. It's still a great season, but it's tough to score because they still should have found a way to win. You don't get teed up with two games, basically, at home like they did. And you don't get teed up with, you know, two easy matchups. As a three seed, they should have killed Colgate, although they were hitting threes from all over the place. And they caught an 11 seed on the other side who had pulled an upset of LSU, which was predictable by many. And so, therefore, it was all up there on a tee. But how do you account for the mitigating factors? I don't think Davis was fully healthy. I know that they said he was. To me, it didn't look like he was quite as explosive or confident as he was during the year in which he was an All-American, first-team All-American nationwide. And then Hepburn going down also left him in a bad spot. It's a tough, tough way to go out. But overall, it was, I think, a great season. The overall college basketball game, the state of the game as I see it, having not watched much during the regular season, by my own admission, and I need to do better on that, but watching it quite intently during March Madness is that it is so athletic now, it is so explosive now. You don't just have to go back and watch old YouTube clips of 80s NCAA tournament, which a notorious JAY can still see in front of our eyes if we close them. Oh, yes, there it is. The number of players that can flat-out fly and jump out of the gym and shoot and are aggressive and just incredible offensive talents, it's, it's night and day. It's breathtaking. It's an intense product. It is one in which the players care. You saw the Tennessee player breaking down in tears, uh, being hugged by, yes, Juwan Howard, who, yes, is into the Sweet 16, and, yes, they deserve credit. For getting it together for two games, I I thought they should have been left. They should have been left out of the tournament. I thought that Jawan Howard should have not coached again this calendar year. But give him credit for getting through. You know, you got Jawan Howard consoling an absolutely heartbroken player on the other team, 
And for those of you that say, I want you to play that clip as much as you played the clip of him swinging at Krabenhoff. Hey, trust me. The clip of him hugging the Tennessee kid got played more than enough. And that doesn't just wipe away everything else because guess what? There are other coaches besides Jawan Howard who hug players and are classy to them on the other team, especially, by the way, when you win. How about when you lose to a rival? What's your character then? We we saw it with Jawan Howard. But anyway, it's intense. It's athletic as fuck. It's unpredictable in March. Because I think the world, the college basketball world is flat. It's flat for a number of reasons. The three-point line was the great flattener back in the late 80s. And now what's helped flatten the landscape even more is the fact that you've got so many transfer portal guys that are just, boom, they're at one school one year, they're at another school the next. And you notice that if you listen to the announcers and they would say, okay, this guy here, he used to be over on you know this other Division one power, but now look at him. Boom. So it's unpredictable. It's also uneven, the college basketball game. Teams like Memphis just wandered and drifted sideways for a good chunk of the year, underperforming, but then during the tournament, Penny Hardaway had them on point, and they almost took down a giant uh, the other night. There was one play that, to me, was just incredible. I mean, when I was doing college basketball for UC Santa Barbara, the Harvard of the West, the running rebels of UNLV were considered to be the gold standard of up-and-down teams. And yes, they were fun to watch and they were athletic, but there was a play by Memphis late in the game. And you know, this is late in the game when it's like a couple points, you know, three or four-point game. I think Memphis is down. Uh, their point guard gets a rebound, a sort of long rebound, grabs it, starts bolting up court, at breakneck pace, throws this laser beam lead pass to a streaking antelope of a cutting Memphis teammate who then goes in for a sweet finger roll, and it happened like that. That's the state of the college game now. But when it's off and when it's bad, it's ugly. It's a rock fight. Shooting can be wildly up and wildly down. But it's great to have the tournament back in full force And it's great to have Doug there as the Cinderella mascot of the tournament. Okay, time to talk gambling because I'm here in Vegas and I have been wagering on a few of these contests and I thought I'd give you an update as to just how I'm doing because, you know, who doesn't want me to give you an update on how I'm doing? I have come upon a new strategy. It's called... Go up to the window and just start calling out numbers, literally on the fly. Take a look at the board, take whatever feeble knowledge you may have or whatever gut instinct and just start going boom. It's almost like the Peter Griffin strategy when it comes to betting on college football. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Yeah, I'd like to bet a hundred bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. (laughs) That's almost what I did. Not quite. Almost went... Here, just take my money. I was going to bet $1,000 on Tennessee. Why? Because of the Stauskas angle that Tennessee-Michigan had once again matched up some, uh, how many years ago was it that Stauskas cost me that money? Was it 2017, I want to say? Five years now? I don't know. Anyway, I thought Tennessee's really good. Michigan, fuck them. They got lucky in the first round. 
I was going to let my emotions get the best of me. I put a poll out on Twitter. Uh, should I bet thousands, a thousand on the Stauskas angle to close the karmic loop on this? Yes, no, or hell yeah, bet two grand. I haven't looked at the poll results. Of course, everyone's betting my money for me. Yeah, yeah, bet the thousand dollars, or and, and a good number of people bet the two grand. And I was thinking maybe I will. As I'm there with a thousand dollars in my hand, walking up to the window at the sports book here at the Casablanca. Resort in Mesquite, Nevada, whose sports book is a modern miracle, a wonderment of it's a piece of shit. Okay, that was uncalled for. It has somebody to take your money, it has the point spreads, it has a few TVs. Yeah, like six, maybe. Okay, it's a far cry from Circa, where we saw our boy Tim Murray, the big ginger. On Friday night, which was great. Anyway, I digress. So as I'm walking up there, I said, I can't do it. Scared money don't make money. So I'm like, abort, abort. So instead of doing $1,000, I just said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put 100 bucks on eight games. And that way, I will have something to root for in every game. Because that's really all I want. I just want someone to root for. But I haven't done any research. I don't have any great leans on this. I didn't call Mr. X and go, who do you like in this one? Because, you know, Mr. X is good, but he's not perfect. Apparently, he had Marquette as a five-star play. <laughs> woof We all make mistakes. So I just start calling out numbers. 100 on 842. 100 on 851. 100 on 873. 100. 100. 800 bucks out there. Well, guess what the kid went? Five and three. Winner, winner, chicken So, that brings us to today, Sunday, as I record this. And round two, I didn't want to go as deep as 100 bucks a game, so I dialed it down to 50. Uh, the very nice lady behind uh, the counter remembered me and said, Oh, you're showing more restraint today than yesterday. Because <laughs> I was going 50, 50, 50. And as of right now, I have five winning tickets out of nine plays. Why would I play nine games? I I, I made these bets at 7.30 a.m. before we went to go play golf. Why would I have nine tickets? Well, because I apparently threw in, without even knowing it, one bet on an NIT game. That's right. (laughs) Second day in a row I've done this. I had Xavier minus three. They won outright by a big number covered that so i had nine tickets so all i have to do now is have one of these final two hit i'm already a winner so i've got so five and four at worst if i get greedy let's see what i bet i bet purdue minus three and a half let's see where they're at right now they are leading by six with six to go okay let's not get cocky but i kind of like that one then i got tcu plus nine and a half against number one seeded arizona and they are hanging and banging down three and a half. Anyway, I bet the nine games, including a NIT game, not even realizing it's an NIT game, but it's legal tender. And I did the same thing the day before. So that's how clueless I have been. However, I'm actually winning with this strategy. Maybe I found my new strategy, at least for March Madness. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. <laughs> just take it. I think for NFL, 
if I was out here during an NFL weekend and I was betting a bunch of games, I would want to put a little extra, a little bit more oomph into a handful of games I really feel passionate about. Because if you just bet randomly, which is not the worst strategy in the world if you're just having fun, then guess what? You don't get to brag about when you have a great week. I mean, you get paid, but you don't get to brag like, ah, see, I knew it. The point of gambling is to brag about your gambling winnings to prove to your fellow cavemen buddies, uh-uh, I'm smart, I know football. But maybe I've just hit upon my new go-to move in March Madness. Cut six, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. To quote the favorite phrase that my daughter Catherine likes to say these days from one of the TV shows she watches, did not see that coming. Wow. That news broke after I had put the Thursday into Friday podcast to bed with Scott and Solly, and it was a shocker. So much of a shocker that pretty much nobody that I had read, talked to, heard, or even callers or texters Uh, to my show in Milwaukee, had even brought up the possibility, what if Rodgers stays on a new extended deal, and what if Adams is traded? Now, there was some talk about, well, we could tag and trade Adams, but I thought tag and trade's kind of hard. Got to give up a lot and then pay a guy top-of-the-market money. How often does that happen? Well, the answer is it happened in this case. It's for a one, a two, and you don't have to pay him the $22.5 million per year, at least for the next two years minimum, probably three when it's all said and done. Now, we're going to miss, as Packer fans, Devontae Adams. He was everything you could want in a wide receiver. He is the best wide receiver in the game, in my opinion, and many others' opinion. He's top two, not two, as the saying goes, from Aaron Nagler and Cheesehead TV. Don't explain where that came from, but it was like, yeah, are you a top two receiver? Yeah, I'm top two and I'm not two. He has this butterfly quick release that gets himself open quickly almost every time. No DB can pretty much defend against it. He has incredible hands, great deep speed, the full route tree. He's tough as shit. He nearly got decapitated uh, by that shithead for the Bears um, back uh, a couple years back at Lambeau Field. Very scary hit. I mean, I love him. But I'm happy for him. But I'm also not devastated by having to let him go. Because to be on the other side of it, you're you're paying a 30-year-old receiver top-of-the-market money. And you're giving up a one and a two to get him. I mean, to me, that's not the best side of any trade. He's going to a minus passer, although that offense looks stacked as fuck even if Carr is not that great. Jacobs with Renfro in the slot as the little white whip-wap guy. Darren Waller, if he can get his shit together at tight end. And now Devontae, oh, Lord. But I'm happy for him, and I don't begrudge it at all. He wanted to change his scenery. He wanted to say, you know what? You had a chance to lock me up, Green Bay, and you didn't do it, so now I'm going to leave. But he said some, you know, he said nice words for the Packers as he left, so... There you go. And I think that Rodgers knew this was probably going to be the case before the season. Maybe that last dance semi-cryptic tweet, maybe the last dance with Rodgers and Adams was about Adams all along. Might have been. Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown. 
it's doomed to fail for one reason. It's the Browns. Oh, I know many are going to say not this time. Many are going to say, but look, we got Amari Cooper as well. They're going to say all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, it's going to fail because it's the Browns. What the Browns gave up to get Deshaun Watson and what they agreed to pay him as part of the trade is nothing short of obscene. Now, I'm of the mindset that he should have been playing last year. That there was no actual legal charges against him. There was just a grand jury indictment possibly hanging over his head. Yes, there's lots of civil cases. Yes, typically when there's lots of people filing you know, complaints, it adds somewhat to the strength of the merits of the accusations, but it is not an indicator of, yes, this is absolutely what happened. Sometimes there is the piling on effect, and when there's money involved, which there is, look out. They can sometimes come out of the word work. I believe that Deshaun Watson was a creepy-ass dick and was getting these massages and then saying, okay, now that you've worked on my hamstring and given me a back massage, I'm going to flip over and I'm going to take my towel off. So, I don't know, maybe you can, I don't what happens next? I don't know. And these women were like, what the fuck, man? That's not what kind of a massage therapist I am. I believe that to be the case 1,000%. That said, I'm firmly in the belief of if you're not charged with a crime, you should be able to do what you do for a living. Otherwise, the whole system falls apart. That said, it is obscene that he got the the largest guaranteed, fully guaranteed deal of any quarterback ever. And the Browns gave up multiple high round picks to get him. It's obscene. It's stunning. And he apparently didn't want to go there at first, or he was using it as a negotiating tactic to go, yeah, I'm out on Cleveland. And then Cleveland being the downtrodden, abused girlfriend that they are, came crawling on their hands and knees and said, well, what if we gave you this much money, even more, guaranteed? Oh, wait a minute, I'm back in. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of the darndest things ever. I I put out a tweet that was meant to be just very low-key to make my point. I, you know, Somebody mentioned the particulars of it and the raise he was getting and draft picks surrendered for him after all these things were clouding his future. And I said, well, seems to have worked out for him. It seems to have worked out for him. Now comes what will likely be a league suspension. I'm guessing six, possibly appealed down to four, could be more. We'll see. I know you Brown fans are excited. I'm sorry to say it's 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 destined to fail. It can't succeed. Ball don't lie. It would be karmically wrong for it to succeed. But I'm not rooting against you. I'm just putting my chip down. I'm putting it on the don't pass line on this one. Cut eight. Late by three minutes. I need a ruling here. I'm here at the Casablanca. They have a buffet and I am a little bit late getting out of my room after the round yesterday, showering up, unpacking, whatnot. I get to the buffet at 9.02. It closed at 9. I see the food still in the warming trays over the shoulder of the woman at the gate. And I say, oh, I 
I, I just missed it. Can I please? I'll pay the 18 bucks. I won't even ask for any more food. I'll just take whatever food you still have out there, which I can see right over there. She goes, nope, sorry. We're closed. And I kind of slump over and I don't leave. She looks over at me like, you're still here? And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, where else is there to eat in this resort? And she's like, well, there's the cafe. I'm like, I don't want to sit down and wait for service. I just need some food, please. And I tried to plead my case. In the end, no avail. Question, should they have let me in three minutes late? I'm guessing most of you will say, no, fuck that. You be on time. That's a you problem. 903 or 902 is not 859. There's a, there's a deadline. Otherwise, people will come up at 908. Oh, didn't let me in. 915. Ah, just let me in. But I think there's a grace period. I think there's a wiggle period. And I think when somebody like me really expresses a, like if I just said, oh, really? You're closed? You sure you can't let me in? No? Okay, fine. I'll go somewhere else. I was desperate. Was I at least owed, ex- owed an explanation? Like, I'm really sorry, sir. The problem is, we have to close our register and account for everything starting immediately at 9 o'clock, and it takes a while to get done, and if we delay it, then we're going to be here all night. Did they owe me an explanation at least? I don't know. Cut nine. Table games in Vegas. These sons of bitches. It's already bad enough that they are replacing your traditional blackjack tables at most casinos with what my friend, the felt father, calls the carnival games, which are all these, you know, mini Texas Hold'em games and free ride this. And I, I don't even know what they're called, but they're not blackjack. They're card games similar, but they've got different rules. They're carnival games because, well, they're just not the traditional game. People don't know how to play them. And so, and the odds apparently are way better for the house. But even on the blackjack tables, the rules have been quietly and consistently being turned and turned and turned against the player for the last 20 years. And my dad knows all these ways that they, you know, nudge the odds even more in their favor. The biggest one being blackjack pays six to five on most tables now instead of three to two. And you think, well, whenever I play blackjack, I never get one. So why do I care? Well, it matters because if you sit long enough, you'll get your fair share of blackjacks and then you'll be able to cash in with no risk to your original bet. You don't have to double down to do it. But blackjack's been getting worse and worse over the years. And I used to think, well, why are they allowed to do this? This is bullshit. You should offer traditional standard blackjack, the kind I used to play in Vegas 20, 25 years ago. Of course, the answer is they don't have to offer shit. They don't even have to take your money. If you're too good at whatever game they've got and you're killing them, they can say, sir, your action's too strong for us. We're going to have to ask you to leave. But we do have this comp for our fine steakhouse and a show ticket here, so we'll see you later. But now it's gotten even worse. Two examples. Walked up to a roulette wheel over at the Aria, and my buddy Danny B said, uh up." Hold on, not this one. I go, why not? He goes, look, there's three green zeros on the wheel. There have, traditionally, roulette had one green zero, which is bad because it's neither red or black. It's a further tip in in favor of the house. Then sometime along the way, they added double zeros. So there's now two greens that can fuck you at the roulette wheel unless you're stupid enough to bet one of the green zeros, which, not stupid, it's just a number. 
This one had a third green zero, which was not a zero. It was like a shamrock or some icon. And all three green uh, spots on the wheel were together. And I said, what the fuck? You guys are shameless whores. That wasn't the worst thing, though. The worst thing was I looked at a, a craps table. We were trying to find a spot at a craps table, and we go up to the one table at the Aria that's got a wide open corner. We're about to go belly up, and we look down at the table, and that's where Danny B goes, oh, no, 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 hold on, this one's not good either. I go, okay, what's the problem now? He said, look at the table. All the numbers are point numbers, meaning what used to be your field bets of 2, 3, 11, and 12, I believe it is, yes, 4 through 10 are point numbers, 2, 3, 11, and 12 are field bets, you can bet the field separately. It's supposedly a terrible bet statistically, but I've played craps where guys have been banging the shit out of the field bet. And they're all points. And I don't know the math on it. I haven't done any research. I'm sure I'll get an email about this, but I am goddamn sure that table is not better for the player than a standard craps table. But they'll say, oh, but this is more fun because, you know, who understands field bets? Nobody plays them anyway. Wouldn't you rather have it this way? It's about the same. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. But then again, nobody's forcing you to gamble, right? All right, that is a wrap for me tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow, Andy Pollan will join me. And we have lots of stuff still left over from the weekend that was, and I'm sure there'll be more news that comes out on Monday. Spread the word, rate, and review if you want to be a full-time subscriber to the ZabeCast and help support it. Sign up for Fridays. It's only 5 bucks a month, and if you sign up for a year in advance, you get 12 months for the price of 11 What a bargain. Otherwise, go month to month, cancel any time. You don't even have to leave me an awkward note that says, yeah, sorry I'm leaving. Some people do anyways because they're not happy, which is fine. I subscribe to a shit ton of stuff myself for 5 9 10 15 bucks a month, and we all have our budget, so I appreciate that. All right, back to more golfing. I'll see you right back here in my hotel room at the Casablanca on Monday night as the ZabeCast on vacation continues. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.